You're about to hear a life-transforming word brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London, an oasis for breakthrough. The focus of Trinity Baptist Church is to see people develop a Christ-like character that impacts our world. Now, prepare your hearts to receive God's word through his anointed servant. certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sauce, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip his tip, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime, you received your good things and likewise Lazarus' evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to them, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, even though one rise from the dead. Father, this afternoon we honor you for the richness of your word. And as we remember our dear sister Arlene, her commitment to you, her support for righteousness and the things of God, the zeal with which she served you, we honor you that there is a day coming where each one of us will cast our crowns before you in heaven and eternally worship you. I pray that you grant me grace that I will share your word in clarity and in simplicity. In the mighty name of Jesus, God's people shall together say, Amen. Amen. As we celebrate and give thanks to the Lord for the life of our dear sister Arlene, I want to share with us a message that I have titled, Why We Give Thanks as Christians. Why We Give Thanks as Christians. The Bible says, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The Apostle Paul says, if I live, I live unto the Lord. 
And if I die, I die unto the Lord. Therefore, whether I live or whether I die, I am the Lord. God is the God of the living and not the God of the dead. Because even in life or in death, we belong to him. Praise the Lord. And as Christians, we give thanks because our God is a sovereign God. And he loves us unconditionally. He knows the best and he desires the best for us. It is he that holds our lives together. And there is nothing that happens to us that he does not know. Therefore, in dying, Christ destroyed death. Rising up on the resurrection day, he restored our hope. And as a living Messiah, he restores our future. And coming back, Jesus gives us confidence. He is coming back. And because he died and rose again, we can meet as a body of Christ, as friends, as family members, as daughters, as in-laws, and honor him because we know that we serve a living God. Amen. Amen. You see, to the Christian, death is not the end, but the beginning. Death to the Christian is not loss, but it is gain. We on earth lose a dear one, but the person that dies gains the beauty, the comfort, and the consolation of heaven. Death is not defeat, but victory. Funerals and thanksgiving services are not for the dead, but they are for the living. The truth about God is that he will not save us from hell and kill us on the way to heaven. He is sovereign and he knows that which is best for us. The truth about life is that whichever way we look at it, life here on this earth is very brief. And people's view about death is strange. The atheist strongly believes and says that man and beast are products of chance and destined for the same fate, extinction. To the atheist, man and beast are the same. And the fate is extinction. You die, you die. Wow. The Jehovah Witnesses strongly believe that a dead person is unconscious and inactive. That he ceases to exist and that the doctrine of a burning hell for the wicked after death cannot be true. Then reincarnation. The Eastern religious people say that. They believe that the soul or the spirit of the dead comes back to earth to live in to live again the law of karma and that based on the life that you lived in the former world you come back as who you are today and for them if you live a wicked life you will come back as a dog or as a rat or as a beggar. No wonder. 
They have no mercy for the caste systems. The truth about life is that people fear death. The truth about death is that it is unpleasant. It tears that which is mended together apart. The truth about death is that it is painful. Whichever way we look at it, and any creed or people or, 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 or tribal people who cannot accept that do not fear God. In the story that I read for us, Jesus, the son of the living God, who is the resurrection and the life, pulls the curtain back and helps us see what happens after death. And he uses a name that is common to all the religious beliefs of his day. Those days, the Jews strongly believed that Abraham was their father. So were the Christians. A significant historical figure. And today, the Muslims also strongly believe that Abraham is their father. So in this parable, Jesus uses a figure that each person can understand. A name that will sit well with everyone. And the lessons that we learn out of this parable is that first, physical death comes to all. The Bible tells us that there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen. Verse, two say, verse 22 says, So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. We don't die. One does not die because they are rich or poor. The rich die, so does the poor. Two men in this story. One rich, Mr. Dives, and one poor, Mr. Lazarus. And the Bible tells us that they die and the rich man is buried, goes into hell. Lazarus, the poor man, dies and he goes into paradise, into Abraham's bosom. You see, the man did not, uh, Lazarus did not go to heaven because he was poor. I know too many poor people who are very proud. <laughs> too many of them. I had an uncle. He had nothing. <laughs> but his words were, if I'm poor, my mouth is not sealed. <laughs> and the words that would come, would come out of his mouth. Lazarus went into paradise because he feared and served God. Death is impartial. We are all equal before the Lord. The truth about life is that some of us are black. Some are very black like me. Some are yellow. Some are white. Some are short. Some are tall. Some are fat. Some are blonde. Blue eyes. Brown eyes. Red eyes. Some are rich and some are poor. Some are very, very intelligent. One young boy got 12 A stars in his GCSE and got four A stars. And his marks were so high. Some have sharp 
He applied to the Ivy League. He applied to all the Ivy League schools. And they are in the USA and they are all fighting for him. The truth about life is that there are cognitive differences and material inequalities in life. But whichever way you look at it, the truth about life is that one day we will all die. One day we will all breathe our last. One day the teacher will teach his, his last lesson. One day the doctor will see his last patient and the surgeon will perform his last surgery. One day the musician will sing his last song. One day the preacher will preach his last message. One day Pastor Kingsley will preach his last message. Death is an appointment that nobody can miss. There are so many appointments we can refuse to go. And many of us, we forget appointments. Genuinely, we forget simply because we did not record it properly. I can remember the number of appointments I have missed. Either I was tired, GP appointments I have missed. But there is one appointment that no man or woman can miss. And that appointment is the appointment of death. And the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 7, that it is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Ecclesiastes 8, 8 says that no man has power to restrain the spirit in the day of death. The preacher tells us there is a time for everything. A time to be born and a time to die. The question is, are we ready when our time comes? Jacob said, let me die the death of the righteous. Physically, people get ready. They make wills. They build houses. Some build in the Caribbean. Some build in Africa. Some buy houses in the USA with the intelligence that when they retire, they will go and live in those houses. There's nothing wrong taking life insurances. There is nothing wrong building physical houses. But the question is, are you building for yourself a spiritual home one day? And we are here today because our dear sister Ali ensured that her future was guaranteed. And as we sit here and remember her life and give thanks to the Lord for her life, she, by God's grace, is at a better place in the name of Jesus. A Canadian psychologist by name Roger Carr devoted his time to find out why cars and trains collide. He just couldn't understand. And in the research that he did, in the research that he did, he concluded 90% of all collisions are caused by risk-taking drivers and that only 10% are caused by signal in this research that he conducted in Canada, he said that when people hear a train whistle, their minds tell them to accelerate. Some drivers drive around the gates at the crossing while others try to go under the bridge. They forget that a second at the bump of the grave can be fatal. But the truth is that a far more serious kind of risk-taking happens around us each day. Thousands of people ignore the fact 
that a day is coming when we will face our maker. It is a certainty and no man can change it. Therefore, David says, Lord, make me know the end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. James says that our life is like a shadow. David, when Saul wanted to kill him, told his friend Jonathan, it is but a step between me and death. John Wesley, when he was dying, said, the best of all is that God is with us. And Martin Luther, when he was passing on, said, our God is the God from whom cometh salvation. God is the Lord by whom we escape death. They ensured that their future would be secure. So the first lesson we learn here is that death comes to all of us. But the second lesson we learn also is that there is life after death. Look at verse let me start from verse 22 again. So it was that the beggar died and was, buried, was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Verse 23. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Wow. Look at the verse 22 again. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. The immediate contrast we see here from verses 22 and 23 is that death is not an extinction nor an annihilation. And we see the contrast after death one is carried, one gets an angelic convoy. Wow. He was carried by the angels into an angelic convoy. And that is what happens when the children of God passes on. Because the Lord says, And at death, when a child of God dies, the angelic hosts are sent to carry. You know, I was in Africa not just about three months ago, and I was privileged, I think somewhere last, early this year, to be privileged to drive in the convoy of the vice president of Ghana. These motorbikes and these uh, 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 four-by-fours and... Uh, I had gone to a conference, the vice president's wife was a speaker there. So after the conference, I had, after I had also given my speech, I asked because I had to catch the flight from one city, Kumasi, and then fly off to Accra. So I asked, oh, please, Reverend, why not join us? And these dispatch riders, oh my goodness, the speed. And when the cars refused to stop, they are on the back. They are kicking the car with their foot. I said, power sweet. <laughs> huh. And literally, they stop every car on the road. So our car was cruising. 160, 140, 160, 140, 160, 140. I said, wow. 
And the Bible is telling us that there is a better envoy and it is angelic envoy. Angelic convoy. Hallelujah. And not only that, out of this verse, we see that, verse 23, that and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. The man that had been buried can see. Buried, but he lifted up his eyes. And this is a story that Jesus himself, the son of the living God, the only one who died and rose again, opening the curtain of life for us so that you and I can understand what happens after that. We give thanks. We are giving thanks today to the Lord for the life of Adia Arlene Mason because death is not the end. There is life after death. And Jesus is telling us, and being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. So it means that this man that has been buried is conscious. But to you and I, he's passed on. So death is only a transition. Are you hearing me today? I said death is only a transition. My dad has passed on. He's at a better place. My mom has passed on. He's at a better place. My sister has passed on. He's at a better place. Only last week, another sister of mine passed on. She is already at a better place. The truth about life is that life is not only what we are living here on this side of the globe. There is immediately after death a change of environment. It is a transition. It's a change of environment because everything here is contaminated by sin. <coughs> One goes into paradise, into heaven with Abraham. The other goes into Hades, which is hell. It's a transition because our world today is being destroyed by drug abuse, murder, lies, and all forms of evil. You see, we have conquered space. Man has been onto the moon several times, but man is still unable to conquer his own emotions. We lack moral intelligence, and abuse arises. Look at the rate at which we are destroying the ozone layer, our own environment. Our world today is filled with sorrow, with pain, poverty, death, and pride. But at death, we go to a place where sorrow can no longer touch us. And not only that, it is also a reunion with our loved ones. For we see that Lazarus go to be with Father Abraham. So the truth is that there is a place called heaven. When soldiers return from war and, and when they are in the ships, you see the flowers and as people stand uh, uh, at, the, uh, at the brink of the harbor waiting for their loved ones, the joy, the, the, the gladness that their loved ones have come back. It is a reunion. And at death, the essence of death is that we are reunited with our God. You see, when a baby is born and that baby comes out, 
what does the doctors and the midwives expect that baby to do? To cry. If the baby doesn't cry, they hit the baby for the baby to cry. And to us on this earth, it is a sign that that baby is alive. But for that baby, it has been disturbed because it was lying at a place which is not contaminated. The air that that baby breathed, God ensures that it is well uh, uh, siphoned and every pollution is taken out of that breath. A place that is so comfortable. So the moment that child breathes the breath of love, the, the environment, that baby starts to cry. The same happens at death. At death, we all cry. We mourn because we see our loved one passed, passing on. But that person rejoices because the arms of his or her maker is widely opened to welcome that person. Hallelujah. That is why we give thanks as a people of God. And some people ask, Pastor Kingsley, do you believe in these stories? Oh, really? I believe it with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my strength. Because Jesus preached about it. Jesus talked, spoke about it. Every large, you see, if heaven is not real, if, heaven, if hell was not a place that is real, then Jesus would have died in vain. But every drop of his blood spoke for you and for me. Every lash on his back spoke of our forgiveness. If hell is not real, if heaven is not real, then Jesus died in vain. The justice of God demands judgment. Whereas hell is a place of misery, heaven is anything that you can imagine God to desire for you. Hell is never made for any child of God. Hell was, is a place reserved for the devil and his angels. And anyone who goes to hell, you'll be an unwelcomed visitor. Because it is not meant for you. But thank God that he's made a way for us to miss hell in the mighty name of of Jesus. The truth about life after death is that you carry your memories with you. Look at verse 24. It says, then he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip his, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this flame. Ooh, but this man is dead. He's got his memory, his senses are working. When the Sadducees wanted to tempt Jesus about the resurrection, talking about one woman who married seven brothers and they all died, they said, so at the resurrection, which of them would be the husband? Jesus looked at them and said, you are mistaken because you do not know the scriptures, neither do you know the power of God. Because at the resurrection, we will be like angels. Hallelujah. The truth, and we will not marry. The truth about the resurrection and heaven is that this mortal body takes up a body that is incorruptible. A body that is no longer prone to sickness and pain. One day, I pray, after 100 years, may the Lord cause you not to miss heaven in the mighty name of Jesus. 
Today for many, the teaching is that eat and drink, for there is no tomorrow. But the Lord is telling us that there is. And that after death, one is alive as he was on earth. But the third lesson and final lesson we learn here is that there is no second chance after death. Look at verse 26. Let me start from verse 25. But Abraham said, son, son, you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot nor can those from there pass on to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father Abraham. Now the man has become an evangelist. <clears throat> that you send him to my father's house. Now, this man, being tormented, tormented in hell, is pleading with Father Abraham. That Father Abraham, I beg you, send him because I, he's not remembered his brothers. So his memory is alive with him. So at death, you don't lose anything. But the essence of life after death is that whether you gave your life to Christ or whether you lived your life against Christ. You see, beloved, Abraham makes it quite clear that there is a gulf fixed between you, heaven, and hell. So the second death is eternal and irrevocable. There is no cessation of consciousness. The truth about modern medicine is that when it encounters a physical problem, it seeks to provide three methods of solution. And doctors will tell you that the first thing a doctor will do is to find, to, to begin a process of diagnosis. And, and that is to, that is identification of the disease by investigation to establish the cause of the disease. If persistent stomach ache, if it's persistent uh, dizziness, through diagnosis, the, what the doctor does is to try to find out. So at times, they will take blood samples, they will take skin samples, they will put you in all kinds of machines just to diagnose. Then the next thing they do is the prognosis. Prognosis is the forecast, the cause the sickness will take if it is not tackled. So after the doctor has discovered what is wrong, the next thing he does is to look at the prognosis. And he tells you that this intense blood pressure, if you don't take your magic medication, the possible of a stroke is high. So they put you, so, so they tell you what, will, they forecast for you what can happen. Then he prescribes, he gives you a remedy. And in the remedy, he prescribes the right drug to fight the disease or how to fight that disease. If it's antibiotics, he gives it. If it is to put you on a long-term medication, he does it. If you are believing God for healing, the Lord touches your life. You see, the Bible also does not leave us ignorant as to why we die. 
the Bible gives us the diagnosis of why we die. And the Bible says that we have all sinned and as yet has fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. So in other words, just as you work and earn a wage at the end of the month or at the end of the week, if you live your, a life of sin without God, it has a wage, and that wage is death. And the truth about life is that all of us have original sin in us. We are born in sin. Is somebody hearing me? Then the prognosis that the Bible gives us is what follows after sin. The Bible says that because we are born in sin, what follows are three kinds of deaths. The first death is spiritual death. That is separation of man from God. God told Abraham and Eve that of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't touch it. For the day you touch it, you will die. Abraham and Eve ate of it, but they lived another 900 years. But the death that they died is what in scripture is known as spiritual death. That is, you are alive, but you are spiritually dead because Jesus has not come into your heart for you to be born again. Then the second thing that follows is physical death. Physical death is an appointment that we all face, which is separation of the soul from the body. But then there is a second death. And the second death, the Revelation 20, 14, 15 says that then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. <clears throat> this is the second death. And anyone not whose name is not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Nobody hearing my voice today is going into that lake in the name of Jesus. But just as the doctor will give a remedy, the Bible gives a remedy. And the remedy that the Bible gives is that John 3.16, the Lord says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. The remedy is Jesus. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, even though he does, yet shall he live again. Romans 5, 8, the Bible tells us that God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. John 14, 6, that no man comes to the Father except by me. You see, Abraham, verse 29, said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one should rise from the dead. And today I pray that as you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, that you will understand that the word of the Lord is true. You see, in life, if you are born twice, you die once. But if you are born once, you die twice. 
Let me explain. Nicodemus went to Jesus and said that, Master, we know that you are a great teacher who has come from God. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? John chapter 3. And Jesus said to him, Except a man is born again, he will never enter into the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus said, uh -uh. At this age, do I have to go and enter into my mother's womb again? And Jesus said, No. Except a man is born of the spirit, he that is born of the flesh is flesh, and he that is born of the spirit is spirit. So we are born first by our parents. That one, you did not have any choice. You did not choose to be born as an African. You had no right to choose to be born a Caucasian. You did not make any choice to be, to be born as a West Indian. That is determined by God. Are you with me? That is the first birth. But the second birth, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, is a choice. So you choose to be born again. And it is only those who have chosen to be born again that are given eternal life here on this earth. Eternal life begins here on this earth. So if you are born twice, you die only once. Amen. But you are born, you are in this world, that is your first birth. If you are not born again by accepting Jesus into your life as your Lord and your master, then the story that Jesus shares becomes a reality in one's life. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So now he's saying, send Lazarus to go and tell my five brothers. I remember the day I was born again. I had gone to church. Those days in the 70s, the shoe that we wore as young men was that high. Platform. And I was wearing this James Brown puff. You know, puffed. Long and puffed. And my belt button could sweep the whole floor. And that day I was meant to go to a party. Then that, by the night, I had a dream. And the dream, the shot of it, was like my mom talking to me. And the shot of it was that if you don't just go to church. And, and, and the fright of the dream was that when my friends came, we, I told them not until we go to church, we are not going to the party. And that day, Reverend Matt Shockley from the U.S., who was a missionary in Ghana, preached a very simple message. And gave an altar call just as I'm doing today. When I walked down the aisle, I was the only person. And the hymn that they sang, they sang it. And the preacher said, I believe there's somebody here who must give his life. So we sing the first stanza again. Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. And as I walk through that aisle, With tears in my eyes. 
And after I was led to pray the sinner's prayer, I was taken aside. And about two hours, I couldn't control my crying. When I came, almost everybody except the caretakers of the church had left, except my two friends, because we had an appointment to go to a party. And I had the keys to my sister's car. John, that time you were a little boy, so don't worry. And they just looked at my face and left. They said nothing. They just looked at my face and left. I saw one of them again eight years after that in Germany. One of them has passed on into glory. And from that day up to today, my life has never been the same again. And this afternoon, as we celebrate the life of a wonderful sister, and doctor of Christ, our dear sister Ali, I want every head to be bowed. You are here today and maybe you don't know Jesus. I want you to picture me that faithful November at Grace Baptist Church back in Africa, Kumasi, Ghana, when the call was made. With Pastor Kingsley walking through the aisle, Jesus is the maker of becomers. And maybe you are here, you are saying, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be born again. Wherever you are seated, I want you to raise your right hand. I want to pray with you. You are saying, I want, bless you, my sister. You are saying, I want Jesus in my life. Any more hands? Please raise them high. Don't, thank you, my sister. Don't feel shy at all. This is serious business. This is death and life. Hell is not meant for any human being. It's for the devil. And nobody is going there in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep those hands high for me. I want you to lift those hands very high to the Lord. With every head bowed. And I want you to pray this prayer after me. Father... Church, let's pray with them. Father, in the name of Jesus, this afternoon, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I open my heart and invite Jesus into my heart. I repent of my sins and I invite Jesus to come into my heart as my personal Lord and my personal Savior. Oh Lord, I honor you that from today, I am a new creature. That my life will never be the same again. I thank you that I'm born again. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, the, the hands that were lifted with every head bowed. I just want you to walk to me. I want to shake your hands. Because I'm seeing myself in. Don't feel shy. Just come. Just get up and come. Don't feel shy. Come, come, come. If your hand was lifted, come to me. As every head is bowed. Don't feel shy, my sister. Get up and come. Don't feel shy. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the heavens be opened over your daughter. In the mighty name of Jesus, let the heavens be opened over your daughter. In the mighty name of Jesus, let the heavens be opened over your daughter. In the mighty name of Jesus, O God, let the heavens be opened over your daughter. Father, I pray that from today, their lives will no longer be the same. 
in the mighty name of Jesus. And God's people shall say, Amen. Come on, put your hands to You've just heard God's word brought to you by Trinity Baptist Church, London. We pray that this word will impact your life in a tremendous way. You are welcome to share your testimonies, prayer and counseling needs with us. Do visit us or write to us at Trinity Baptist Church, 2 Thornlaw Road, West Norwood, London, SE 27 OSA or call 0208 766 7732. Thank you and remain blessed.